You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Tonight for me, and this is the way the season's going for me now. Tonight for me, it's about focusing in on the young players and seeing if I'm and watching to see if I'm getting any style, any improvement, any anything that gives me hope. Because remember, after the Milwaukee game, I said to you, I got no hope. I'm looking at this Nick team. I got no hope. There's nothing that says to me we're going someplace. So now my focus is because, you know, I don't want to keep that. We know what the problems are with this team. We know how bad they are. We've got it. We understand. Tonight for me, I was, I thoroughly enjoyed the play of Mitchell Robinson. This was the Mitchell Robinson. I remember a couple of nights ago, we were talking about Mitchell Robinson. And we said that he looked like he had taken a step back. That he had not played this well since DeAndre Jordan was here last season. And it looked as though he was struggling. Couldn't stay on the floor with the fouls. He was reverting back to the first half of last season's Mitchell Robinson. Where he would have three fouls in in two minutes. (laughs) So tonight, coming off the bench... This is the Mitchell Robinson that I love to see. 17 points in 30 minutes, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, and a block shot. Now, if I want to nitpick a little bit, I would love to see more rebounding for Mitchell Robinson. And obviously, I would like to see the block shots up. But my problem with him is very simple. It's that because they have him on switches where he's away from the basket, where he's sometimes trying to protect the three-point shot, that's the issue. So you're taking him away from his strengths. So where he would be in a situation of blocking shots or protecting the rim, you see that he's not getting that done. So otherwise, I thought he was the lone bright spot on this team tonight. And as I'm searching for young players, as I'm searching to see them, the young players improve, despite the fact that this team has been just god-awful, and they played about, the last two games have been about as bad as I can remember any Nick team that I've been able to watch over the years to perform, he was the one guy that jumped out at me. Uh, R.J. Barrett is struggling shooting-wise, and I know that there was talk about him and the shot selection and him having to work on his shot. And I think he needs to go back to putting the ball on the deck and going to the basket a little bit and then work back, work backwards and try to work on his jumper. But, you know, listen, that's what you can say about this Nick team tonight. Uh, you heard David Fisdale's post game comments with the, 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 on the post game here with Pat O'Keefe. And he's not happy and he shouldn't be. I mean, this team has been down 40 points. In two consecutive games. I'm surprised we didn't have Scott Perry and Steve Mills at the podium again tonight. To be honest with you. I was a little surprised. But according to um, Ian Begley of SNY, formerly of ESPN, neither they nor James Dolan were in their seats at the end of the game. I guess they left early like a lot of the fans did. And I would understand why. He really wasn't much to stay around for. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, we got a lot to do inside this edition of ESPN New York Tonight. Let's go to the phones. Buddha's in the Bronx. Buddha, you're batting leadoff on 98.7 ESPN. All right, let me try not to strike out. What's going on, Uncle Larry? You can't strike out, partner. You always make contact. What's happening, my friend? All right, listen, man. You know what the Knicks is, um... You know, the messages are always um, they're there. In 86, the, the NBA couldn't not let the Knicks get Patrick Ewing. In 2019, they did everything they could to make sure that they didn't get Zion. So, I mean, I, I don't know if that's, if that's a, um, a call for, you know, the, the Dolan to get rid of the team. You keep hearing that over and over again. No free agents will come here. You know, the coach is a dead man walking. I mean, they need to put him out of his misery at this point, you know, and just move on. But, um, you, know, you know, what makes it doubly sad, bro, is um, especially as, as bad as, as all the sports have been here, 
with, and you know, and with the basketball, we love basketball here. You know, they took away our fallback, man. You know, in the 80s, you know, when the Knicks were horrible, man, you had that Big East tournament. Yeah. You know, you had those games at the Garden. You know, uh, yeah, you know, no matter who you liked, if it was St. John's, if it was Georgetown, if it was the Pearl and Hopiel Addison and Cycli, mm. you know, you, you, you had an alternative. And now you have nothing, and it's just this misery night after night. You know, it's overwhelming, man. It is. It's really overwhelming, man. You know, Buddha, and, and thanks for the phone call, it's not only overwhelming, it's, it's kind of depressing. Because if you're a, a person that loves basketball, that loves to watch the game, and you've seen so much great basketball at the Garden, and not just Knicks, of course, because the Knicks have been struggling for a amount of years, but as you mentioned, college hoops. St. John's and, and teams like that. And now you just don't have that. It's, it's so frustrating. It's so, like I said right now, this is as bad a, this is as bad a Nick team as I've seen. These past two performances, I mean, they, they give you the first couple of minutes and then as soon as the team makes a run, they're done. Like tonight, they were, they played well early. They were in this game. They had a slight lead. You're looking at them. They, they hit their shots. Then they went to the bench, and the bench just didn't get it done. And Denver's bench got it done. And before you know it, Denver's on the 14 nothing lead, 14 nothing run. And all you need to know about the depth, and as, as Brendan Brown said on the play-by-play here with Ed Cohen on 98.7 ESPN, people were complaining about Denver's bench, saying that that was going to be a problem for them because of the issues with their bench. That that was going to be, you know, people have been talking about it and say, you know, what's going on with that bench? Why are they being so inconsistent? Well, <laughs> not tonight. All right. Hernan Gomez with, with 12. Plumlee with 11. Grant with 16. Morris with 15. Beasley with 14. I mean, and, and for you, um, for, for you, you analytics folks, Hernan Gomez plus 26. Plumley plus thirty two, Grant plus twenty six, Morris plus twenty seven, Beasley plus thirty three. So they were making big plays, and and obviously they were keeping the Knicks from scoring, and the Knicks bench couldn't give you anything. I mean, look at this: they had four players in double figures off the bench, off the bench. Knicks had two players in double figures off the bench, and Mitchell Robinson was one. And Bobby Portis was the other one. He had 10 points. So, you know, once, and that's been an issue. And then the start of the starters, Knicks had only one player, one starter in double figures. You're not winning that way. You're just not. And that's what you're seeing with this team. So that's, that's why they're struggling. And, um, you know, I know it's, it's very fashionable to say, you know what? Let's get rid of, let's get rid of David Fisdale. Let's go. And replace him with who? I mean, you want to keep the same coaching staff? Smart's still going to be there. He's going to be the interim. He'll play. He'll he'll coach the rest of the season. Does that change anything? I mean, I understand you feel you've got to do something, but I don't know. I I don't know if that's the right move. I really don't. And you hear the same things from them over and over and over again. Well, we got to, you know, it's on us. Okay, well then, do something about it. And if I hear this one more time, and you hear this so often with bad teams, okay, so often you hear this from bad teams. Well, we had a great practice. We got every practice. We were everything was great in practice. Well, then obviously, you know what that means? That means you need to bring somebody else in to practice against because the practice is not working. You need to get some other folks in there for your team to practice against because they're obviously allowing you to do whatever you want to do. That's number one. And number two, it's very simple. Why am I seeing on numerous occasions, why why am I seeing Nilakina trying to defend Jokic? What? Why does that switch work? Why would you make that switch? 
Does that make sense? See, that's what I'm saying. Like, sometimes you're like, that's, that's not basketball IQ. Okay, we do a pick and roll. We do a pick play. We set up the screen. Jokic now posts up Nilakina, and you switch? Why would you switch on that? You got to stay with your guy. But they, they switch like that all the time. That's just, that's, it, it drives me crazy. It really does. It really does. 1-800-919-3776. Dominique's in Arizona. What's up, Dominique? You're next on ESPN New York tonight. Yeah, man, it's crazy how, like, the Knicks had a good free agency. They could have got good players, but it's like they didn't even pay them no attention. They didn't pay for it no attention. And then I just feel like the Nolan should sell the team. Just sell the team that's somebody that knows basketball. You don't know basketball, why, are you, why do you have a team, you know? Well, Dominic, here's the thing. You could, you can, thanks for the phone call. You can have a team and not know the sport, but you got to hire some people who do. <laughs> okay. You got to hire some folks that really, really, really understand what's going on. And unfortunately for the Knicks and their front office, they've been extremely unfortunate in the moves that they've made. The moves that they've made have just not worked out. It seems as though everything they've tried has not worked out. They've been trying for the past, what, decade to get free agents here. Hasn't worked. Hasn't worked. And you kind of understand it. I mean, you think about this. If you were a free agent and you're looking at the roster, you're looking at the performance, you're looking at the culture, I mean, and you have other opportunities, you you wouldn't come here. Free agents now, here's what they want. I keep saying it. They want to be the final piece of the puzzle. They don't want to be the whole puzzle. They want they don't want to work extra hard. They want to know that there's something in place. There's a foundation in place. There's there's talent in place so that they can just be the finishing product that allows you to take that next step. They want to know that they don't have to work hard. And I think the best example of that would be Kevin Durant. All right. When Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant was working hard in Oklahoma City, along with Russell Westbrook. I mean, they should have beaten Golden State. They were up 3-2 and lose the last two games. So what does he do as a free agent? He goes to a team that won 73 games. How much How much hard, heavy lifting does he have to do there? Not much. You've got the championship team in place. He takes them to the next level so that they almost are unbeatable. And they end up winning three of three titles while he's there. So two or three titles while he's there. So... That's what free agents want to do now. That's the idea from the free agents. They want to be the final piece to the puzzle. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Our Jeff Passan reports Yanks are all in on signing Garrett Cole. As a Yankee fan, what would be a deal breaker? Would it be salary? Would it be linked up contract or nothing? Let's do it. We're all in. We don't care how long it is. Eight years, 10 years, 12 years. We want coal. That's all. We don't care. We want coal. 6% of you say salary is a deal breaker. Right. 18% of you say linked up contract is a deal breaker. 76% of you say nothing. Let's do it. Go get him. I want him under my Christmas tree in Yankee pinstripes. The question is, and I know in the report it says that Hal Steinbrenner has signed off. We're willing to what, what, what it takes, whatever it does. Still, in the back of my mind, I got this feeling that length of contract is going to be very important here. We'll get to the calls in a second. Now, I know that Cole is 30. And I know you're thinking, well, you know, six, seven years, 
you know, seven, eight years. He's 38. It's not bad. He's younger. He's a young guy. We should be okay. Uh, remember, Corbin, they wanted to give Corbin five years. He took six. And now he's got a ring. Length of contract might be an issue. I agree with most of you. Salary is not the deal. I agree with the 94% of you who went with length of contract and nothing lets you do it. It's not going to be salary because they've got money coming off the books next year. What, Tanaka is coming off the books. Uh, they got a bunch of guys coming off the books next year. So the salary will be okay. It'll be bad for this year, but next year, next couple of years, they'll be all right. But it's that length of contract. It's that length that's going to be the issue when you start talking about pitchers and arms. And that's the concern, I think, that's in the back of the Yankees' mind. Now, we know the Yankees went all out because, as Michael Kay mentioned in his show today, they brought in Andy Pettit. And, you know, they're serious. They brought in Andy. So they know what they're doing. You didn't hear you didn't hear about no Andy Pettit with Corbin last year, did you? <laughs> you didn't hear about that. Nah, they brought in Andy. He's the closer. Uh I think the Yankees have a good chance of signing him. A good chance. Not a great chance, a good chance. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Derek's in Harlem. Hey D, you're next on ninety eight seven ESPN. I feel like everybody keeps calling and saying the same thing every day, every week. Nothing's changed since the beginning of the season. It's like, I I understand Fizdale's going to be the scapegoat, but like with games like this, how long how long can he really last? It's a serious question. It is a serious question, Derek. But, but see, here's the other question, though. The other question is... Who are you going to replace him with? That's the question. <laughs> That's it. Because it's going to be the same staff, which means it's going to be the same philosophy. Which means, yeah, which means, you know, because once you move him, then then the player's like, oh, well, listen, we know these, these jokers are going to be gone at the end of the year. So so I'm, I'm really going to do what I want to do. You know, so I mean, that's, right, that's the issue. Yeah, go ahead. You got the front office, right? Yes. I understand Dolan is a loyal guy to his people. Yes. He kind of stri- strikes me as a guy who likes people to stroke his ego because he gets sensitive when people say bad stuff about him. Mm-hmm. I think Steve Mills and people around probably know how to work him. Yeah. Uh, Scott Perry doesn't seem like a bad guy, but what GM are you even able to, oh, fire the GM. Like, who are you going to bring in there? It's like all these questions, like, get rid of this, get rid of that. Like, who are you bringing in? I, there's only one person I think that can fix his team. Who's that? He's not available, but Jerry West, proven record. Yeah. He's, a, legend. he's never going to come in. No. A legend. What I would do, what I would try to do is call him and ask him, who do you want? Who do you suggest? Who, 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 who do you, you recommend? Suggest? Yeah. That's well, you know, well, you know, the, the uh, GM that's currently up in Toronto with Jerry uh, has been, has been, you keep hearing his name mentioned. Not either. He's you not either. Um, I don't think he is, but you know, you 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 saw Denver tonight. You can see the mark on this Denver team that he left. Kawhi Leonard left, and look at um, Siakam. Yeah, there's no way he's leaving. Yeah, he left. Yes, but then again, Derek, here's the thing, Derek. It's about money. Now he's already he's accomplished what he's got a ring in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Under the right circumstance, perhaps you could convince him because really he's got a ring. So if he yeah, comes here, he doesn't have control. Well, let but, uh, but how much control do you think they would give now? Because that wasn't that um, David Griffin's problem. He wanted control. Yes, he did want to control. Yeah, he did. And and now I think you know you might want to reconsider giving up maybe a little bit more control considering what you've seen from this team now. I, I think you have to really I think you really have to examine how when you see how this has this plan has failed now going back to Phil Jackson, okay? When you see how this plan has failed now, I think you and he had power. And Phil had power, but he didn't really want to do the job. Obviously, as you could tell. 
He wants that money. Yeah, he wants that money. <laughs> so now the question is, whoever you bring in, and thanks for the call, D, whoever you bring in now, you may have to give up a little more power, but you're gonna you're gonna really demand results. And and if you're James Dolan, you're sitting in your office and you're like, how many people do I have to pay to get this done? I'm still paying people who aren't even here anymore, and it's still horrible. You gotta be you gotta be pulling your hair out. Like, what do I have to do to get this done right? Because. He's done what, what, he's done what people have suggested. And it just hasn't worked out. And like, once again, like I said, I'll raise both of my hands. I thought Phil Jackson was the move. Linked to the, to the last two championships, the team has won. He was, he played for those teams. Obviously coaching, he understands what it takes, the talent it takes to build a team once you coach them. He knew what to do. I thought for sure he'd be all right. I did. I was badly disappointed by him. Badly. I felt hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, all the above from him. And I thought Scott Perry, who's got, who's done a nice job around the league and the jobs that, and the teams that he's dealt with. But this, ladies and gentlemen, New York is a different animal. And the under, the other thing that you really don't understand about putting teams together is there's got to and, and the word chemistry is so big it's so big because you could just put players together and think well we got a team eh, not necessarily because think about it Morris and Randall aren't they really the same player do you need both? Morris and Randall are the same player. One of them should be coming off the bench to help bolster so your offense has somebody to go to when on the second team. But the chemistry's all wrong with the team. And I understand what they were trying to do. I understand the plan. Let's get some, some guests. Just, we got to put a team together. Let's put a team together. Let's let's limit the damage by giving them one-year contracts. If it doesn't work out, you know, we'll get them out of here. It's not working out at all. Efren's in Queens. Hey, Efren, you're next on 9870 ESPN. Yeah, I just want to state, uh, you know, the New York Jets are not having a very good season this year, but nope. they seem to have uh, a belief that maybe they can actually do damage to the NFL by winning as many t- uh, games as possible. And uh, now that, you know, the uh, retired veteran uh, quarterback, former quarterback of the Jets, Josh McCowan, is no longer in presence or in sight, and the mentor that was uh, Sam Donald's mentor for a while there, I just want to ask you this. Uh, since uh, Robbie Anderson is a restrictive uh, free agent, how long do you think that the Jets are going to be supporting him? I, I support the guy because he's a team player down there. He actually knows what he's doing, and he's actually a very patient man on the field, on the gridiron. And I just was wondering, do you think that uh, Robbie Anderson can actually uh, help the team uh, in the future become a better team? I think, Efren, thanks for the phone call, as he, as he starts to run routes better and becomes more disciplined in running his routes – Yes, I do think he can help the team. I mean, you looked at, at the, some of the plays he's made. He definitely can. He is still the guy that, that he's still the guy that could take the top off off a of defense. So yes, he can. But he needs he's got to continue to work at his craft. And what he needs to do is to show. And you're starting to see that this season, Efren, that he has shown that he can be a guy that can catch passes and not just the long passes to, to take the top off defenses, but he can catch some passes, some intermediate passes, some passes to move the chains. And I think that's where he's got to, that's where he's got to be more consistent. And he's, and he can't drop the football like he did in the end zone last week. You can't drop that football. You, you, you've got to make plays. If you want to get paid, yeah, you got to make plays. It's very simple. It's very, very simple. So if he continues to make plays 
and the offensive line gets set and Sam Darnold can build an even better chemistry where he's got some time and he can roll out and do some things and the running game gets going, that's going to help the passing game. And that will also help Robbie Anderson. Now, once again, I don't know how much he's asking for. That also is an issue as well. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, Trey from Brooklyn, Texas. You're next. Oh, Larry. Hi, Trey. What's it going to be, Larry? What are, you, what are you drinking tonight? What are you drinking? Talk to me. Talk to me. What are you drinking tonight? Oh, over what? Over the Knicks? Oh, you got yeah, to be kidding. What are you drinking? You got to be. I ain't drinking nothing. I'm pouring. I'm pouring. You got to uh, drink. You don't, nah, man. You, listen, you can save that for. You can save that for when they lose a close game. Not not down by forty seven. Yeah, Evie, it is Larry. With the exception of uh, Mitchell Robinson, you're absolutely right. Tonight was a, another disappointment, another joke. Uh, well, it wasn't a disappointment, Trey. Trey that was a disappointment. You you were disappointed. Trey, did you think they were going to win this game tonight? Come on, Trey. You're right, Larry. You're Come right. on, Trey. Yeah, you're right. Come you're on, right, Larry. You know, this. Here, here's, the, here's the only thing that might have been disappointing, and it's something that really sticks at me, is that you punch them and they go down because they got a glass jaw. Absolutely. See, that's the thing that's disappointing. With the veterans you have on this team, they should not have a glass jaw. Okay, yeah, you get yeah. blown out by teams because you don't have enough talent and stuff like that. I get that. But, Trey, when you start out playing decent and the bench comes in and they go on the 14 nothing run and Fisdale's calling timeout after timeout and nothing's working, yeah. I mean, come on, y'all got to respond better than that. And the veterans don't respond on this team. I agree with what you said earlier, uh, splitting up Randall and Morris because I mean that's the, that's the same thing. Yeah, the same guys. Yeah, the same guys. So you got to have one of them coming with the second unit because that second unit was flatter than Dale Beard, man. I mean, it was yeah, that was ridiculous, man. Um, I mean, uh, Denver's Denver's bench scored seventy eight points, Trey. Yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna just little highlights from their team real quick. Uh-huh. That kid Jamal Murray is a is a monster, man. He is. He's gonna be He's going to be good for a long time. And I'm going to tell you a sleeper guy out there with, with the Nuggets, man, mm-hmm. Will Barton. That kid can play, man. He, can. he, probably, he really like, can. He's got, little, he's got a little Spencer Dinwiddie in him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And, um, I, man, I would love to have a guy like that on the pick, man. But, I mean, knowing, knowing when he come to us, man, you know that jersey if he's so, so heavy. <laughs> yeah. You know, Larry, I think we talk about it all the time, Larry. These yep. jerseys are heavy, man. And it takes a very – it makes you – that's why we revere the teams from the 90s so much because they played like them jerseys were just light, man. It was, you know, we just go out here and bang everybody up. But you know you what? Know? They embraced the, the heaviness of the jersey. They embraced it, yeah. They yeah. embraced they, it. They weren't intimidated by it. They were like, oh, the jersey's heavy? Okay, so what? That's it. That's <laughs> it. We'll, we'll strap a 40-pound weight vest on top of this jersey. Let's go. Yeah. And we don't have that here. We don't have none of them. We don't have a guy that, with the exception of Luke Moore's, and and Mitchell Robinson, who's coming on as a as a young leader, hopefully on this team, dear God, we don't have those guys, man. We've had guys come and talk that talk, Larry. We've had Brandon Jennings come. We bring it back yeah. the old, yeah. and we bring it back this, and we bring it back that. I'm gonna wear John Stark's number and all of that, man. These guys, they it's like they talk it good, but mm-hmm. at the end, man, it just man, it falls on deaf ears, man. We need results here, man. You know, I, I just I, there's no way out. You know, we're in too far now. You can't yeah. throw the baby out with the bath water. We're in too deep now. So we just got to lose the rest of these games, and we're going to win some, too. Don't get too hot. Don't get too low. This is going to be a long ride. On that Gary Cole thing, you know, yeah. throw the bag at that man. I don't <laughs> care what it takes. Throw the bag. Send P. Diddy's playing to pick him up. Let's do the topic. I ain't playing no games. And, 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 this, and just like Michael K. said, this is uh, Cashman's white whale. He got to snag this dude. And if it don't work, Larry, it don't work. But yeah. if we do sign him, we got about a three, four year window where we're going to have to end up paying Judge and Gleyber Torres, yeah. and then his contract's going to look bad if we don't win. If we win, well, he'll be fine, man. Ain't nobody gonna care about that money. It's just money. We ain't giving up nobody. Right. It's just money. give him the money. Well, I think that's that's what they're going to do, Trey. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. Good talking to you as always. I, I listen once again. I don't think the money's the issue here. And I know about salary, and I know about the, the luxury tax and all this stuff. Honestly, I don't think it's about salary in this case. It's about years. And the only reason I think it's even about years is because, uh, as I keep mentioning, the situation with Corbin last year. 
who grew up a Yankee fan, wanted to be here. One year difference and he went somewhere else. And like I said, got a ring. Look, the Yankees know they need a starter. They know. They've tried. They brought in Big Maple. Went down the turnpike. Got Hap. You know, they've been trying. And that's the one thing. I mean, Brian Cashman's resume as a GM has been phenomenal. It's been phenomenal. But if there's an asterisk on their resume, it's pitchers. Kevin Brown. Kay Gawa. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. I don't want to do that to you. I don't want to do that to Yankee fans. I don't want to do that to you. You'll be, you'll be cursing Alexa out for no reason. But you know what I'm saying. It's been, it's, 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 it's been, you know, that arm, that, 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 that starter's arm. He's been searching for it. He needs this guy. He needs Cole. And if he can bring Cole in, I'm telling you, it changes, it gives you, okay, an ace. With all due respect to Tanaka, who's ace-like, or as to quote Peter Rosenberg, ace adjusts. Except in the postseason. He's an ace in the postseason. And then you bring him in, now you set your you set your rotation. Y'all can talk y'all can talk a little bit then. Y'all be able to talk a little bit. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Bobby's in Bayport. Bobby, what say you? Larry, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. What's happening? Larry, I want to tell you something real quick. I won't take too much of your time. This is the first time long time caller. Let me tell you something. I listen to all radio stations. You're an absolute pleasure to listen to every night. It is an honor to be on the slide. Thank you, Bobby. I appreciate you. I got one point for you when it comes to Garrett Cole. I got a question for you. It's a serious question. Go ahead. I'm a stand-up comedian. I've been making fun of the Yankees the entire year, but I have a serious question for you. If they sign Garrett Cole, what happens if there is a fallout from Houston Astros competing? Now, listen, that, that's a talented team, Houston Astros. I get that. They mm-hmm. won the World Series you know, a couple years ago. It was what it was. But if the Yankees sign Garrett Cole and there is a fallout and there is a penalty... Will there be some sort of, uh, you know, I don't want to say backlash, but is there a penalty for Cole being on our team? Will there be some sort of fallout? No, Bobby. No, thanks for the phone call and the kind words. I don't think so because I don't know what his batting average was when he came up to bat when they were banging garbage cans and (laughs) doing whatever they did, whistling and, you know, singing you know, deep in the heart of Texas, whatever it is they were doing to to alert the hitters, but I don't think it would apply to him. I I think he'll be okay. I really I really think that when all is said and done with this, I think that the fines are going to be more towards the organization as opposed to the players. So I think it's going to be more of of a managerial thing. I think maybe the the team will be fined millions of dollars, or you know, Hitch could be suspended or the general manager could be suspended. I think it's going to be management that's going to really take the brunt of that when everything comes down. I don't think it's going to fall out on the players because it's a scenario where, really, what are the players going to say? No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. No. If the coach says, if the manager says, listen, we got some things in place to help you out, (laughs) you're going to be, you're going to help out. You're going to follow the, you're going to follow that. So I don't think, I really don't think it's going to be a situation where players are going to be, you know, uh, picked out and say, okay, you had this issue. Okay. Uh, Altuve, you're going to be suspended next year. I don't think it's going to be that. I think it'll be management and above. Shondell in Manhattan, you're next on 9870 ESPN. Larry, 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 how are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Like I, I started to tell the producer I was depressed or whatever. He started to laugh at me. So I have a question for you. Yes. Let's say me, you, Trey, and the producer take over the Knicks because what I saw tonight was a disgrace. This team should not be the record that they are. Nope, it shouldn't. And I don't know what it's going to take for this team to turn around or whatever. I don't either. Oh. <sighs> 
but I, I digress. To, hate to, hate to, I hate, I'm sorry I don't have any answers for you, Shondell, but I'm telling you, because here's, here's the thing. And, and we can jump on David Fisdale and some of the things that he's done. He deserves criticism. But how how dumb do you have to be as a player? Okay, how dumb do you have to be to sit and watch video of you giving up three-point shots and you continue to give up three-point shots? How dumb are you? I don't know. But to answer your question... Yes. Um, as far as the Yankees concerned, because yes. I'm a, Yan- a big Yankee fan. Okay. And unfortunately, I guess I got to wait to 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 get through this Nick the Nick and Giant debacle to get to my Yankees. Uh huh. What if I were the Yankees? I would sign Derek Cole for two years and an option for a third. So just in case if things should fall down or whatever, you know the Yankees won't you know won't hit the Yankees so hard. Shandell, I hate to tell tell you this: if you offer him a two year deal and an option, he's going elsewhere. He's looking for, my friend, thanks for the phone call. He's looking for security. And to be honest, with his talent, you might be better off signing him for six or seven years. Because look at the market right now, how it is this year. Okay, you go back to what Jacob deGrom got. Okay, Zach Wheeler got $118 million. For five years, Zach Wheeler. And as a Met fan, he's, uh, all right, I'll be honest with you. He is a number three starter. And on a really good team, he might be number four. Five years, 118. You look at Cole's numbers based on Wheeler, come on now. Cole is Cole could get 30, 30 plus million a year. Easy, easy. He wasn't good. He was dominant, dominant. I don't know how he didn't how he didn't get Cy Young. I don't know. I don't know how he didn't get it because he was dominant this season. And so you won't get you. You're not going to get him with that. You're going to have to give up years. He might want ten years. And that's unheard of as a pitcher. That would be unheard of. But he may ask for 10 years. I don't think he'll get it, but he could ask for it. I think he's, I think he's going to end up selling for maybe around what, seven, eight years? I would say he's 30. I think he, for the amount of money, unless as a Scott Boris client, he structures it so he'll go for six. But after five, he has an opt-out where he can go up and see how much more he's worth based betting on himself. And if he continues his dominance after five years, he may want more money. Yeah, you know, I'll take five years and then after five, you know what, we'll, we'll do something else. We'll do some other, we'll, we'll come back and I have an option that I can opt out or, you know, I can stay with y'all. But two, three years, not getting it done. Charlie's in Woodside. Hey, Charlie, you're next on 98.7. Larry, uh, good evening. How are you? Thanks, thanks for taking the call. You got it, Charlie. How are you? Uh, oh, oh, cool. Well, by the, on the poll question. Yes. It's all in there. Forget about, um, I mean, it's time. It's time. They, they, I mean, I mean, what is that? They didn't like value uh, Corbin as the, the rest of the free agent. This mm-hmm. is a different animal. So all in, man. All in. I don't care about years, uh, money. I mean, ownership says go in the green line. Let's do it. Get it done. Mm-hmm. But, my goodness, watching this game, the Cowboys, oh, oh my goodness. The oh Giants played the Cowboys better. I mean, the Giants played the Bears better. The Giants uh, played uh, better against the Bears than, than what the Cowboys have done tonight. And they, they, oh they've made made up some garbage time late. So it's 31-21 with about a buck 20 left. But, I, mean, I, mean, you be, I mean, this is a – I mean, the NFC is a joke. I mean – I, I mean, this. I mean, I mean, there should not be a playoff spot coming out of NFC in my mind. <laughs> but, right. but, but, I mean, I mean, Larry, I don't know people talking about the Knicks and everything. Yes, I know Fizdale's been all. I mean, he's Fizdale's on the hot seat. Uh, he's, I mean, that. I mean, that. What is that? The optic of like before Milwaukee games that we have no shot to win. That's that's an awful job and got blown out of everything. But in my mind, if Fizdale gets fired. Then, then the microscope comes goes to Steve Mills and Scott Perry. In my mind, Steve Mills has to go. This dude 
who has put together a poorly uh, roster with a bunch of power forwards like one year day after completely flopped on free agency. I mean, I think he's been like essentially here for almost two decades. And up with Steve Mills. I mean, this dude is not a good, what is that? I mean, doesn't know how to run uh, a franchise and everything. He's to go. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Enough. All right, who would you bring in as the Nick president? You know what? If it's Jeff Van Gundy or Mark Jackson. Because in my mind, like Stephen A. Stephen A. Smith said, we need that voice. I mean, especially Mark Jackson, who played for New York City, um, for, 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 who was a St. John product, mm-hmm. played for the Knicks, mm-hmm. and he's a native of New Yorker. And the Knicks don't have the franchise who is the voice of New York City, who makes us all Knicks fans understand and make us patient. They have, have patience. And if that's Mark Jackson saying that, we will, uh, we as Knicks fans will have patience. We understand the situation. We need that voice. And that's Mark Jackson or either get Jeff and Gundy back. All right, Charlie. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, I would like Mark Jackson in the coach's role. Jeff Van Gundy could be my GM. I have no problem with that. I don't know. Well, President GM, if you know, if you want him to put the team together, I could say um, how this has to change. But but I, as bad as it is, once again, I don't I don't think you can change it in the middle of the season because all you're going to do is have it's going to be the same situation. It's going to be the same coaching staff. Okay, Fisdale won't won't be here, but it's going to be the same philosophy. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's frustrating. It's crazy. It's just, it's bad right now. It's really, really bad. It's really, really bad. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. So earlier today on the Michael K Show... With Peter Rosenberg and the outstanding Don LaGreca, who did a fabulous job on the uh, Ranger broadcast tonight on our sister station, 1050. They were talking about the new owner in waiting of the Mets, Steve Cohen. Here's what Mr. K had to say. This guy grew up a Met fan, and his wife is a huge Met fan, and his father-in-law has long been a Met fan. So this is a labor of love for them. Just like it was a labor of love for George Steinbrenner. It really was. George Steinbrenner didn't care about making money. And he bought the Yankees at a, uh, I mean, it was a brilliant purchase, a very low price from CBS. They ran it into the ground, and he restored it to its glory. But it was a love purchase. It was a passion purpose purchase. And I think that's what this is with Cohen. Love that. CBS ran it into the ground. (laughs) Well, see, but but now that gives you some perspective. So here's what you hope as a Met fan. Here's what I'm hoping. When I heard that from Kay, I was like, here's a guy who understands that we have we need players spend some money. I mean, right now, let's face it, the Wilpons when they open their wallet, birds fly out. Ah ah ah! Never. They very rarely. They very rarely do. Now, here's a guy who, and I envision him, and I said this to you last night. I envision Cohen as a guy like the new owner of the Clippers. I like that guy. I like him. He's yelling. He's sitting in the stands. He's kicking. He's cheering. He's talking stuff. He knows. Because why is he so happy? He's got a great coach in Doc Rivers. He's got the great front office. He's got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That's him. I like him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See, normally, what do I hear when, when, when we talk Will Ponds? There's a difference. There's a difference. Listen to the listen to the Clippers owner, and listen to the Will Ponds. No, no, no. I I want the Clippers owner. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I want. So when I heard K say that, I'm like, yeah. All right. We got. I'm I'm happy. I don't know if I want to wait five years, but I'm happy. Then we hear a trade was made. And while it's not exactly Marte, it is a it is a player who has a winning background, who understands what it takes to win a championship. 
He is Jake Marisnik, formerly of the Houston Astros. And he was traded for two prospects who <laughs> weren't very high prospects. Riscatino weighs in on the trade. The New York Mets acquired Jake Marisnik from the Houston Astros for prospects Blake Taylor and Kennedy Corona today. Marisnik gives the Mets a gifted defensive outfielder with speed and an amazing glove. According to scouts I spoke to today, he's not much of a hitter, but defensively could give the Mets flexibility in their center field position, possibly being sandwiched between Michael Conforto and right and a platoon of Brandon Nimmo and J.D. Davis in left. He also gives the team more flexibility in adding payroll to the bullpen, which could transform Seth Lugo into a starting pitcher in the Met rotation. By the way, they should be calling Dylan Batanza's agents pretty soon, is what I'm hearing. The Mets have also solidified the notion that this team is planning to bolster their defense by also allowing Jeff McNeil to have a regular spot on the infield, likely third base, and making the overall defense better. Still, though, a backup catcher is needed to really complete this defensive process, and the Mets will need that heading into the winter meetings. Reporting on the Mets, Rich Catino, 98.7 FM, ESPN. All right, Ritz, thank you very much. And he's right. This is what you you have. When your identity of this team is pitching, what goes along with pitching? Defense. Yeah, that's it, defense. Do the Mets have defense? <laughs> Stop yourself. No. So now a center field is in place. Good. We got to sure up up the middle. Okay. I like McNeil at third. J.D. Davis, I know he's saying a possible platoon with J.D. Davis. I don't know if J.D. Davis is going to be here. I think he's going to have to be involved in the trade. If you're going to upgrade your bullpen, you need somebody like him, and I'd hate to see him go, but I can see him going. <laughs> so, you know, that's the deal there. And and he, and he Rich is right. They do need to solidify the catcher position, clearly at the backup spot. And, um, you know, Pete Alonso's good at first. I'm good with Pete. The Cano situation is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Is he going to be able defensively to give you enough and offensively to give you enough that he's not a liability in in the in in the lineup? Does he hit enough where you say, okay, if he misses a couple of balls, it's all right because he's hitting, and we'll take his offense in this case. But the Mets have to do a better job up the middle. I think this is a good start. 1-800-919-3776. John's in Long Island. Hey, John, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, what's up, man? What's up, John? I have a, qu- up, John? I have a question. I'm concerned right now. I need your help. All right, go. How how did the Knicks manage to beat Dallas twice this year? I was talking to the producer. You know you get amped up because KP's coming back, but isn't it a little bit more than that? Doesn't it? Like I don't, I don't understand. I'm confused, man. And then I had a quick question too. <laughs> I just think that there were situations where you look at you look at Dallas. They have issues in the backcourt, and I think that that Doncic takes so many shots and he controls and dominates the ball so much that he missed some key shots late. The Knicks were able to get a couple of baskets, and that's how they held on to win. So in both those games, remember the first game, KP didn't play. In the second yeah. game, he did play, and yes, you were right. They were amped up, and got, and the crowd just helped him by booing him off the court every time he touched the basketball. I think that that fueled the team. There's no doubt about that. What's your yeah, Met point? What I just, I just wanted to ask you, as a fellow Met fan, if, mm-hmm. what, what's the one move that you would want to see us make? Like, I know, it's, I know it's in the bullpen, but if, to be specific, would you rather have Batantis or Hayden? If, if those are your two options, you know what, John? Thanks for the phone call. That's a great question. I want to say Batances because I know Batances can handle New York. I want to say Batances, but coming off the injury that he's had, I got to be honest with you, I'm a little concerned. But I, I would, I would rather, I would take Batances personally. That would be the Mets' move, though. Yes, because a guy off injury is cheaper. Yeah, I know. Unless Cohen's involved, we still don't know. I think, but I think he's, I think he's, I think he's got something to say. I really do. I think I think he's got some things to say. I think when they when it comes to a big a big time acquisition, he's going to weigh in because he's part owner, soon to be full owner. <laughs> Just a matter of time. Eee! We got to know that this going to spend money. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. 
My mother's ready to slap me right now. Eugene is in Long Island. Gene, you're next on 9870 ESPN. How you doing, Larry? I'm great, man. What's up? Never mind. I want to talk about the Knicks. I mean, I okay. Think, okay, I'm really frustrated with the Knicks. Okay, I, I think it start with the coach. I think okay. he... He's not playing. He's not having. He don't have a second unit. Okay. If he, he don't have, have a team. Second, <laughs> I know he don't have a team. I mean, Larry, they. I mean, they got talent on that team. They, they got do. some talent. They do. Okay, and this coach is not putting it right. He's not putting the piece together. He he playing like a chess. All right, let me see if I move this piece. It's going to work. He got fifteen guys on that bench. Half of them guys on that bench is rookie. All he had to do is create a, a second unit, okay? And let's see what happened with the second unit. He's not doing that. These guys well, can pay a lot. Go ahead. Here's the thing, Eugene. He he has put a second unit together, and thanks for the phone call. You're right. And that's his that's his issue, is he's looking for – here's what he's looking for. He's looking for consistency from the second unit. And when you look down the bench – okay, you're, you're David Fisdale, Eugene. And you look down the bench and you say, huh, all right, let me bring in Kevin Knox, for example. Okay? Now, tonight, Kevin Knox had a couple of good plays. Defensively, shock, and offensively. But normally, this season, he's not been that guy. All right? And what happens is, as happened tonight, Eugene, when he went to the bench, the game got away from the Knicks. So now he's playing chess. Okay. I, I went with these guys and the lead blossomed for Denver. Okay. So I can't go with that group again. I got to find somebody else off this bench. Now, the only caveat to that I would grant you is that I'm still don't understand. I'm not understanding why Alonzo Trier is not getting more minutes. I, I, I still don't get it. I still, I still don't get it. I mean, what did he play tonight? It's six minutes. He had six points in six minutes. I mean, clearly, he should be getting more playing time. That's the one thing I don't, that's the one thing I'm, I'm confused about. That is not happening. But for the most part, he's trying to get people to play together and they're not doing it. And you keep going down the bench. You're not getting results. You know, it's driving you nuts. So that's why you keep seeing him looking for different combinations because the combinations that he's put together are not getting it done. Just not. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.